Miss Jennifer's in the back for you. Everybody else, you're stuck with me. I know. Bummer. Well, I'm really excited to be with you today. Um, it's an honor, a blessing. Uh, I feel privileged to be at a church that hired me six or eight weeks ago and said, do you want to preach? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, and so I just, uh, I feel blessed by that. As uh, Mike said, my name's Taylor Lynn, and I'm the new student ministries pastor here. Uh, and me and my wife, Misha, are so excited to be in Corvallis, to be a part of this community, um, and, and to grow in faith and, and community together. And so um, we just feel so elated about that. And uh, we are expecting our first child in September. And so we're looking forward to this new adventure of parenthood and uh, doing that all within this community here at Suburban Christian Church. And I've been told uh, something along the lines of it comes with a lot of extra sleep or no extra, I don't remember how it works, but uh, we're really looking forward to it. I wanted to say, if you're new today, welcome. I hope that uh, you experience the same welcome and love that we have here as being new people ourselves. And if you've been here a while, uh, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for choosing to worship with us today. When Mike asked me to preach, he said, we're in this series on turning points. And he said, you know, you can choose either a turning point in the Bible, somewhere where the story is really this, this big turn in the Bible, or... Uh, choose a story in the Bible that has really was a turning point in your life. And the first thing that came to mind was the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is one of my favorite stories of all time, and it's probably been the most influential in my personal walk and in how I approach ministry. Uh, it's just my favorite story. And time and time again, through different phases of my life, I come back to the story in Zacchaeus, uh, of Zacchaeus and Luke, and I learned something new every time. Every time I reapproach it, God shows me something different. I love how the Bible works. There's nine verses in this little story in Luke, and every time I read it, God shows me something new. God guides me in a new way. He, he, he breathes new life into this incredible story. The Bible is powerful, and I'm excited to jump into this story with you today. My earliest memory of this story, of the story of Zacchaeus, is in Sunday school. And it's of a song. And the song goes something like Zacchaeus, right? I'm glad you guys are nodding. Some of you are nodding because I'm like, gosh, I'm going to stand up there and sing this song. And all these people are like, who's this crazy guy we hired? What in the world? So I'm glad you're nodding. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. Right? So we all, okay, I'm glad you guys know. That makes me feel so much better. Oh my gosh, the pressure's off now. Right? It's this awesome little story that paraphrases this great, powerful nine verses in Luke. It's also been in my time as a camp counselor, I, I've spent a lot of time as a camp counselor in my life, and uh, um, it's also been the most popular story ever told by camp pastors. So at the camps I've worked at, we, we bring in a camp pastor every week, it's a new camp pastor, and every one of them would come in and think they were telling, their, they'd be like, we're, 
we're preaching on Zacchaeus. And they thought they were being original, and all of us had heard it for like six weeks in a row, like, "Uh uh-huh, great. And so I got the opportunity to move from counselor to camp pastor a couple years ago, and what did I do? I had to preach on Zacchaeus. My wife is, I'm sure, rolling her eyes right now as she had to sit through all of those as well. So this story has been a part of my life from the time I was early in Sunday school as this song. And then as I moved into camp counseling and as I moved on through my life, this story has played a role and has walked with me every step of my walk with Jesus. So today I want to look at this story. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. If you want to open your Bible, you can. It's going to be on the screen as well. It's Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. And this is right near the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. Uh, It's kind of coming up towards that. And so there's a huge crowd following Jesus wherever he goes. He's been performing miracles. He's been doing these crazy awesome things. And so people want to see what he's doing. So everywhere he goes, there's this crowd that follows him. And it helps explain this story a little bit. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So right here, we're introduced to the character of Zacchaeus, and we learn a couple things about him. Number one, he's a tax collector. All right? What you need to know about tax collectors in that day is that the Roman government controlled all of Israel. And the way that they did it was they would hire local people to... Uh, do the tax collecting, to do some of the other administrative work. And so Zacchaeus is a tax collector for the Roman government. He's, a, he's an employee of them. And, and uh, the way he would make money is he would go and he would collect the taxes and then he would take a little extra. He'd take a little extra on top and that's how he made his money. Because let's be real, the Roman government's not getting any, he's not getting any of their cut. Right? So he has to take extra from these people to make money. And, and it says here, he's wealthy. Right? So Zacchaeus has been doing this for a while, and he's been cheating a lot of people out of their money. Zacchaeus, we're introduced in these two, two sections here, these two verses. We're introduced to a man who's seen as a traitor, who's seen as a cheat, who's seen as an outcast, somebody that the rest of the community would not have liked. Right? That's what we're supposed to gain from these two little sections, that he's been cheating people and he's been doing it a lot. He's wealthy. We'll move on to read uh, 3 and 4. It says, he, went in, uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I love that the author makes a point to point out that uh, he's short. His status is short. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We have nine verses, nine verses on Zacchaeus, and the most prominent feature we know is that he's wealthy and he's short. Uh, it, It makes me giggle to think that there's no way he thought, 2,000 years later, they're going to be singing a song about me, and it's going to go, 
he was a wee little man. Like, that's kind of a bummer that that's what he's remembered for. I like to think of Zacchaeus, stay with me now, I like to think of Zacchaeus as the chihuahua of tax collectors, right? He's short in stature, but he's feisty. He's feisty and he's clawed his way to the top. He's the chief tax collector here. They make it a point to say that he's short because he can't see over this crowd. Now, often when this story is told, when preachers talk about this story, they talk about the crowd. They talk about how, you know, as followers of Jesus, as people who are following Jesus around, these people are literally following a physical Jesus, but as as people who are following Jesus around, we should not hide people behind. We should not be a barrier for them to see Jesus. And that's a beautiful message. And, and actually, that's what I was preaching one time to a group of middle school students when one of our students said the most profound thing uh, and, and just switched the way I see this story. She said something to the effect of, wow, Zacchaeus must have really been desperate to see Jesus. See, I, I always focused on the crowd. How, man, as Christians, we should do our best. We should bring people forward. We should try and get them in, in, in front of Jesus. And we can't be a barrier. Now, she, she put all the emphasis on the effort that Zacchaeus puts forward to see Jesus. Just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's so motivated to just get a glimpse of Jesus that he runs and he climbs a tree. Now, if you saw that today, you'd think it's weird, right? If you were in the crowd and somebody was like, took off running and then just climbed a tree, you'd think that was weird. But in that day, that was unheard of. A a man of wealth and 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 a man that's respected in the community, in the Jewish community in that day, would not have ran and definitely wouldn't have been climbing trees, right? So here we see Zacchaeus risk public embarrassment and humiliation just to look at Jesus. It says he just wants a glimpse of Jesus, just to put his eyes on him, just to see Jesus. He risks humiliation just to see Jesus. Last week in high school group, uh, we talked about being unashamed. We've been going through a series in our high school group we're calling People After God's Own Heart. We're talking about King David, and the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. And so we're looking at characteristics of King David and things that he did um, that that we should emulate if we want to be people after God's own heart. And last week we talked about being unashamed, and we looked at this story in 2 Samuel. And King David has just got the Ark of the Covenant back, which is this prominent figure uh, in in their culture. It's the dwelling place of God. It's this holy artifact. And it's a big deal that he's got it back and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem, the capital city. And so there's this huge parade, this huge procession of people, and David is at the front of it and he's dancing. And the Bible says he's dancing with all his might. With everything he's got, he's dancing. And the Bible also says that he's wearing some kind of revealing clothing. Right? So here's David at the front of this huge parade dancing with everything he's got in semi-revealing clothing. And he gets back to his house and his wife is like, what are you doing? Like, you should be embarrassed. You should, you should be embarrassed. You, you should be ashamed. That's not how a king would act. That's so undignified. 
And I love his response. He says something to the effect of, I will become even more undignified than this if it glorifies God. He's not worried about the shame of dancing with all his might in front of a bunch of people. He's worried about connecting with God. He's not worried about the embarrassment. He's worried about his worship. Same thing's true for Zacchaeus. He casts aside all his fear, all his shame, and he does what he needs to to see Jesus. The story goes on in verse 5 to say, When Jesus reached the point, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now this is my favorite part of the story. This actually might be one of my favorite verses. It's not a great uh, life verse. You know how there's like those life verses people get tattooed and stuff. This isn't a great one of those, but this might be my favorite verse in all the Bible right here. Jesus walks up to a tree, a guy in it, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. There's a couple things I find particularly powerful in this part. Number one, Jesus calls him by name. Right? He doesn't walk up and say, hey, dude, what are you doing? Hey, guy, get out of there. Right? He looks Zacchaeus in the eyes, and he calls him by his name. I believe Jesus knows that there's power in names. When we call people by their name, we make them feel seen, we make them feel known. Names are so powerful, in fact, that they can change the entire trajectory of our lives. Listen, I'm a, I'm a youth worker. That's what I love. That's what I love doing. And so I nerd out a little bit on stats about youth and how we do that better and how we can engage uh, students more. And so if you're not a stat person, just bear with me. A student is 10% more likely to graduate high school if they hear their name vocalized once a day at school outside the classroom. Okay, catch this. Once a day, a student is called by their name at school, the chances that they graduate high school increases by 10%. That's insane. Literally just calling a student by their name can change the entire trajectory of their life. There's a school in Nevada that was like putting, they're going to put this to the test, right? And so several years ago, they hovered around their graduation rate of like 55%, which sounds low, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of places in our country where that's about average, right? And they saw a problem in that and they wanted to change it. And so one of the main initiatives that they had was to make students feel seen and make students feel known. And so the school in Nevada had their administrators and their teachers outside the classrooms every day, outside the school, calling students by name as they walked in the door, greeting them by name, uh, making sure that they felt seen and known. And after several years of it, back in 2017, um, they'd been running the program for several years, and the graduation rate went from 55% to 84%. 84%. And they attribute a ton of that. Now, this isn't the only thing they do, right? This wasn't just the magic bullet, but it was a giant piece of it. That students felt known and cared for, that they were called by name. 
Knowing people's names is powerful. Calling people by their name is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that it can change the future of the church, right? We're talking about school, but let's talk about the church. Did you guys know that uh, people at Fuller Institute put out this statistic that over 50% of students in youth group leave the church after they graduate high school? And that's actually pretty low. I've seen statistics as high as about 80%. Okay, so somewhere between over 50% and 80% of students leave the church after they graduate high school. These people at Fuller Institute have been studying youth and churches for a while, and and one of the main things they've come up with, the first thing you'll find on their website when they talk about how do you keep students engaged, how do you keep people in the church, how do we not lose 80% of students when they graduate, the first thing they talk about is what they call this five-to-one rule. This five-to-one rule. And here's what it is. Five adults outside of just staff and relatives know a student by name, talk to them when they see them, and pray for them. So in a church, if five adults know a student by name, talk to them, and pray for them, the chances that that student is going to stay in the church when they graduate skyrockets. I don't know about you, but as the youth pastor here, the idea of 50, over 50% of our youth leaving the church after graduating makes me sad. I'm going to guess the same is true for you. That's not what we want to see. But here's the good news. we got a really easy way to combat it. Learn a couple names. And if you're sitting here like, I could learn a couple names. Welcome to the youth team. You just joined. Good job. We're all part of the same mission. So good. All it means is learning a couple names, talking to those students when we see them, and praying for them. And we can change the future of the church. We can change the trajectory of where we're going. Now here's something I've learned. I've been doing youth ministry and working with youth for like 10 years now. And here's something I've learned. Um, Adults are not that different from youth. We have a little bit weirder conversations in middle school group than I do with adults sometimes, but in reality, we're not that different. You want to be seen. You want to be known. I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to know that people know my name. I want to be a part of a community where people talk to me. I want to be a part of a community where people pray for me. We change the entire trajectory of the church, where it's going and how people engage with it, when we simply learn people's names and talk to them and pray for them. That's an incredible mission. Jesus points to the power of this. And now you might be thinking, I'm not good at names. Neither am I. This is something I struggle with. I feel weird standing up here preaching about it because it's hard for me. And I know names are difficult, but Jesus tells us right here, it's worth it. It's powerful. Right? Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. He makes sure he's seen and known in front of this whole community. Right after Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name, he does this, my favorite thing, part of the story. He says, I'm coming over. Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. We're all coming to your house. Now, this is incredible. Jesus just invites himself to somebody's house. And now, there's like hundreds of people following Jesus. 
And they're not just going to be like, well, we won't go. Everybody's coming. So Zacchaeus just wants a glimpse of Jesus, and now he's got a party at his house. It's like this weird, crazy, Jesus just invites himself for dinner. Right? I love, I love the way that he responds to that. He, he says, I'm just coming over. And, and this, is how, this is how Zacchaeus responds. It's in 6 through uh, 9. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus invites himself over, and Zacchaeus comes straight down. And just this little one little interaction with Jesus changes Zacchaeus' life completely. He decides he's going to turn it around. He's going to give his money back. He's going to make amends in his community. He's going he's to do the right thing. Just this one interaction. But you know what I love about this? Jesus doesn't ask Zacchaeus to change before he invites himself to his house. Right? Jesus just says, I'm coming over. I know your name, and I'm coming to dinner. I know your name, and I want to spend time with you. There's no expectation in this, this first part for change before Jesus wants to spend time with Zacchaeus. Right? The change comes after Zacchaeus has had this incredible experience and interaction with Jesus. The same is true for you and me. Listen, Jesus knows your name. He wants to spend time with you. No matter how messed up we feel, no matter how broken we feel, no matter how, ah, man, I didn't get to my Bible app today, or man, I didn't get to, uh, no matter where we are, Jesus knows your name and wants to spend time with you. And slowly, or in Zacchaeus' case, really quickly, our interactions with Jesus will change how we live our lives. I want to end today uh, by telling you the reason I really chose this story. Now, all of the stuff I've said before is true, and it's really good, um, but this was truly a turning point in my life back in about 2007. And I was a rookie counselor at Camp Harlow. Uh, it's my first year out there, and... Uh, and I was excited because I got invited to do it by a friend. And then that friend left me to hang out there. <laughs> and I didn't know anybody. And uh, I was a really shy kid. Um, I didn't put myself out there very much. And so I was out at this camp. And I'm a camp counselor. And I felt alone and scared. And, and like I didn't have a community. Like people didn't see me. How was the sense that I had, that I just wasn't seen, and no one knew who I was, and I just wasn't fitting into these communities? And, and I, I grew up a pastor's kid. Um, my dad's actually here. He never gets called out in the sermon because he's the one always giving it, so 
<laughs> now it's my turn. Uh, I grew up a pastor's kid, and uh, I knew a lot about the Bible, right? I knew all the answers. I had a lot of head knowledge about who Jesus was, kind of the stories. Uh, I knew all the answers in Sunday school, even the ones past like Jesus and God. Like I had it nailed. Um, but I didn't have a real personal walk. I didn't have a lot of real experiences with Jesus, real interactions with Jesus. I had a lot of head knowledge. I knew a lot, but I didn't know God. And so here I am, rookie counselor out at Camp Parlow, uh, feeling alone, feeling isolated, and not really knowing who Jesus really is, having an idea of who he was as a historical character, but not knowing Jesus. And, and I remember we were out at Camp uh, pastor time, and we were at this huge amphitheater, and our, our cabin was sitting at the top right corner of this thing, and uh, the camp pastor comes up, and lo and behold, is preaching on Zacchaeus. I know we're all surprised. I sure was. And uh, I remember vividly him talking about calling Zacchaeus by name. And just having this real aha moment of, oh, Jesus knows who I am. I I felt alone and then I didn't. Because Jesus knew my name. He knew who I was and he wanted to spend time with me. It was this real raw moment of just embracing God and interacting with God in this way. That, that the creator of all the universe knew my name and wanted to spend time with me. This, this camp was, we were supposed to be for, you know, students there, and I'm just there floored. Like, oh my gosh, this changes everything. That night changed the way I interact with my ministry, and it changed the way that I interacted with God. This little story in Luke, it's only nine verses, is this incredible example of the way that Jesus does ministry. Right? He makes people feel known, he makes people feel loved, and he invites himself over for dinner. He invites himself over for quality time. Jesus wants to do the same thing with you, and he wants you to do the same thing with others. He invites us into this awesome ministry where we get to know people's names, where we pray for them, and we invite ourselves over for dinner sometimes, right? Where we spend quality time with people, where we make people feel known and loved. Will you pray with me? God, you are good. Thank you that you know each and every person in here by name and that you love them. God, thank you that uh, in the midst of however we feel or wherever we are in our walk with you, you just want to spend time with us. And God, out of that time, I pray that we would change and grow closer and closer to you. God, help us cast away fear and shame and just be unashamed in our pursuit and worship of you. God, help us climb trees just to get a glimpse of you. Jesus, thank you that you know us and you love us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here today. Have an awesome Sunday.